Here they come! Welcome to episode 47 of Effectively Speaking, the podcast that takes a look at some of the special effects sequences of film and television, be they classic, average, or duff. I'm your host, Eric Moore, and today I'm joined by Ian Marchant to discuss the model work of Space 1999's War Games. Greetings, Exalted One. Hello, Ian. Hello, Eric. Hello. Right. We're... Talking Space 1999 today. Now, oh, yes. I've seen photos of you in your Moonbase Alpha <laughs> spacesuit. So I don't I'm, tell I, everyone that. Don't tell everyone that. Oh, it's going up on Facebook. Oh, that's <laughs> my street cred gun. Not that I had any to start with. Yeah, I'm. I'm a big devotee of Space 1999. I um I was there from the beginning. I'm happy to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched it as a kid. Um, something about it stuck uh, with me, and I think it stuck with a lot of people because you seem people that watched it sort of i was going to say from new but from originally um it, yeah some something about it i think um stuck with people um it's one of those those shows it seems to be sort of marmite people either people either hate it and think it's very sort of silly and 1970s or or they sort of fall in love with it i think yeah i think i think i, I was the same as you i was there at the beginning and I think what it is is you know i mean we were talking about this um um before about you know we had the Irwin Allen shows, didn't we? Yes. Yeah. And, then, and, then, and then we had Doctor Who. We have, we're talking like John Pert's we year of Doctor yep. Who and Star Trek. And, but then suddenly this new show comes along, which is like very high budget, very flashy. Oh, um, amazingly so, yeah. Yeah, very exciting. And, um, and, it, and it was huge, wasn't it? It was a, it it, was a major deal when that show it, first came it out. It was massive. It, it, it seemed to be everywhere. I mean, we, we had a, a, a magazine back then called Look In. Which I'm sure you remember. Oh yes, um, and it was it was seemed to be on loads of covers for looking. Uh, what looking? Was it called the Junior TV Times? The Junior TV Times. Junior TV Times. Yes. Yeah. Um, God, wow. And uh, yeah, it's so so every week they would. I don't know whether the comic strip came straight away, but there was an amazing comic strip with some amazing artwork in it. Yeah, it was John um, Burns, uh, Burns was doing a lot there. of it. I, it and you know, usually when you look at the you know TV twenty one and and all those comic versions of uh, you know these TV shows, very often the 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 comic strip was far more ambitious. Yes. Because you're only limited by the yep. imagination of the writer and the artist than anything that was happening on on the show. But I think with Space nineteen ninety nine, you know that they had the money for the effects, you know, and yeah, they they were just like running parallel with each other, weren't they? Yes, uh, yeah, you're 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 right. You you would read sort of a Doctor Who strip or or you know a Star Trek strip, and it would always outstrip the actual show as far mm. as visuals, aliens, things like that. But I th- I think I've, I've no idea how much um, Space 1999 cost at the time. I imagine a fair bit. Um, but it was it looked amazing, and they seemed to let their imagination run wild, which is I think one of the reasons I love it. Well, I love season one, season two different matter but uh yeah um but yeah so so you're you're absolutely right i do i i some something resonates with the program mm. season one with me and yes i do have 
uh, two uniforms and a complete uh, spacesuit. So, yeah, you're a much bigger fan than me. Much yeah. bigger fan than me. Yeah, because you're, you're a, um, Anderson wise. You're a, a, a bigger Thunderbirds fan. Am I right in thinking that? Well, my, my question was going to say I was going to say what are your top three Jerry Andersons? Yeah. And with me, my my top three it goes UFO, Captain Scarlet, and then. Yeah, I, maybe Space 1999 or maybe Thunderbirds. But yeah, mm-hmm. UFO, Captain Scarlet, and one of those. So uh, is Space 1999 your number one then? Yes, it's it's the only Anderson show that... Because I've, I've got a lot of them on DVD and Blu-ray. As, you know, we all tend to collect them. Um, it's the only show I, I continually re-watch. Um, there's certain episodes of Thunderbirds I like. You know, I've got certain favourites. And I'll, uh, if I'm in the mood, I'll drag one out and have a watch. But Space 1999, um, like when you said about doing this episode and because it's a sort of a slightly unusual one. So I thought I better watch the whole episode again, refresh myself and ended up watching like three episodes in a row. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely my favorite Anderson. I would say after that, probably captain Scarlet. I do like captain Scarlet. I could never get into UFO, although space 99, of course, 1999, of course is sort of a follow on to UFO. It's the second series. Yeah, basically, exactly. Isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> um, yeah. But I've seen I've seen all of UFO. Um, but I could it, it, I I quite like the uh, Commander Straker character. Um, but I couldn't really get into a lot else. It had some great visuals in it. Mm. Um, but I think Space 1999 definitely my favourite Anderson. Um, certainly, like I say, one that I've I've stuck with and rewatched. Yeah, probably to death, to be honest. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Space 1999, when it first came out, I loved it. You know, it, uh, you were guaranteed spaceships each week and, and excitement and adventure. But I couldn't I couldn't gel with any of the characters, apart from, apart from Victor. I like Victor, yes, but... Victor's but, the best character. I mean, you, you say you uh, episodes, watching episodes. I mean, I, I bought the Blu-ray box yep. set, which is highly recommended. Anybody that hasn't Definitely. Um, is a fan and hasn't got it, go get it on Blu-ray. It looks amazing. But there are episodes in that where it's more character-driven and, you know, it being Space 1999, that means Koenig and Helena Russell. And yep. I... I couldn't be doing with it, you know. I don't. I don't care about their relationship. I just want to see action. And so there are some episodes where the action takes a back burner, and they are Koenig and Russell heavy. Definitely. And, and I, I, the I think ones that's I the skip. reason I like it. Yeah, I think that's the reason I like it is that it's not all action. Um, season two is almost wall to wall action, mm. and it, it 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 becomes very juvenile very quickly it's a monster of the week show season one has this this very weird metaphysical theme going through it mm. which normally i i find uh, quite a turn off in programs um but but they seem to handle it quite well in space 99 but you're right it's um i keep saying space 99 do i i don't know my brain's gone um the program <laughs> we'll call we it. know what you um, mean yeah we know what you mean yeah um, UFO season two uh, is is a good program. Um, yeah, it, <laughs> I quite like the character. I I I really like the fact that your your cast are, are really sort of middle aged old men and women with with you know with saggy bottoms in their spaces. Um, it's not even as a kid you could you could tell that Koenig wasn't Kirk. Mm. You know, and nothing against Kirk. Kirk was my number one hero growing up. Um, but Koenig is, is, he sort of becomes the action man, which becomes almost laughable. Mm. 
but he's he's usually a thinking person, much yeah. like um, Straker was. Yes. I I like the fact that Straker didn't go out and punch aliens. Generally, he sat behind his desk and organised it as a leader would. Uh, and and Koenig sort of there's a little bit of the every week he endangers himself in some stupid fashion, but he he's more of a thinking commander. Yeah. And and Victor Bergman, my favourite character ever is just superb i could just watch the victor bergman science hour well he's he's that wonderful tv scientist that knows every discipline of science yeah he's a chemist a physicist a biologist uh you know you name it he's got the doctor in it um but he's played wonderfully wonderfully by barry morse mm. um yeah well i think one of one of my favorite science fiction characters ever even though he's an old man with mutton chops it's yeah. just bizarre we're we're going to come up to it in the show but there are two noticeable victor moments in this one is a classic and one is very odd for the character but yeah we'll, yeah we'll, I, I, we'll get into that yeah um i think i know what you mean because right. i re-watching it and i think there is a there may be a reason for that i don't know all right. It could be could be a case that they've just given them someone else's lines to give them something to say. But there, you're right. There is an absolutely wonderful Victoresque monologue yes. in this in this right. episode. Well, let's crack on. Uh, we'll go ahead and have a clip, and um, and we'll focus on it. So nice here one. we go with the clip. Where did they come from? There's no indication on the long range scanner. Still no reply from the planet? Nothing at all. We try. This is Moonbase Alpha calling on all frequencies. They're Hawks. They're Mark 9 Hawks. So it looks that way. They're war machines. And that's enough for me. Get going, Alan. Red alert! This is Moonbase Alpha calling on all frequencies. We are people from the planet Earth. Please acknowledge. This is Moonbase Alpha. I'd like to start by saying that this is going to be very spoiler heavy, folks. So if you've never watched this episode and you fancy watching it, please go and watch it first because we're going yes. to spoil the heck out of it. I, I, I would agree. I, this this is a this is a good episode. There's, I mean, as you're saying, Eric, there are some episodes that are generally not well regarded, even in season one. But there's a few episodes that you need to come to blind. And that's that's um, the Christopher Lee one. Yep. Uh, Dragon's Domain. Yep. This one. Uh, there's a couple of other. But yeah, you need to. You you don't want it spoiled for you. No. Right. Oh, right. Having said that and got that out yeah. the way, let's get into it. Um, let's spoil it for people. Let's spoil it. Right. Here we go. Spoiler mode on. Right. This episode is unusual in that the very first thing you ever see are the guest craft. Yes. We've got yes. three hawks coming towards the camera, um, obviously from the planet that's in the background. And straight away, this is what I love about Space 1999. It's one of those wonderful, strange, insanely colored planets that they used yeah. a lot, didn't they? <laughs> they, this look is like, they look like isolates that yeah. they did in the 70s. Really this is totally, to... totally the mid-70s, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's, a, it's very much a product of its time, but it's also, it's gone past being... Dated, I think, if that that's even possible. I don't know whether it's because we sort of we're we're back into where we think things from the seventies are got a bit of coolness about them. But it it's almost gone past the point where, like in the eighties, 
and the sort of early 90s used to watch it go oh, look at the flares look at the universe and now you don't really notice it because you see flares worse than that on the street again yeah so it's it's i think it's dated really really well yeah i'll tell you as well something that this show is not guilty of in the slightest is there is no sexism no or if there is it's very little i mean when you compare space 1999 to uh ufo um there's quite a radical all all the everyone wears the same style of uniform yep um you don't get the gene roddenberry short skirt syndrome you you do a little bit in your season two um Mm. but that's because they brought in an american producer um but uh i think jerry anderson was was wonderfully open and and he he wasn't sexist at all he didn't even think about it and he wasn't racist at all and he didn't even think about it well we were we were talking about captain scarlet you know go you go back to you know 66 67 when captain scarlet was being made yeah he he was there the pilots of the fighter craft were female you had lieutenant green um you know um in control of cloud base and i know that there was opposition yeah um we're going off on a bit of a tangent here but when captain scarlet was being sold to america there was opposition saying you can't have a black guy in control of something as important as that and he fought it full credit to him yeah i mean there's a a, there's a good good story an interview with jerry anson where he's talking about casting of maya from season two and they can't they cast a, a a wonderful actress they did a screen test mm. they sent it to america and america came back and said no and G- uh, jerry anson couldn't work out why and then someone pointed to him and said it's because she's black yeah and it literally didn't cross his mind and it, it shouldn't have and i mean you can actually go on youtube and find that screen test and i yeah. think she would have been really good as, as much as i love uh Catherine shell i think she's she's the only good thing about season two um yeah, he, he was very ahead of his time mm-hmm. on this, and and certainly Space 1999, you've got strong female characters right in the set, and no, they're not, no effort is made on it. They don't make a storyline out of it or anything like that. It's it's just yeah. there. It's as it as it should be. It's a science base that's been yeah. launched into space. It's not you know, it's not it's not a spaceship. It's not. They're not there by choice. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very cleverly, everything cleverly flows uh, with this. It's had a lot of thought put into it, yeah. um, which, which just, I think it just shines through. It's a believable atmosphere. Mm. So you can believe that, that Moonbase Alpha, or Alpha Moonbase, depending on which episode you're watching, um, you can believe that that exists. It looks real. The sets are amazing. It, everything's got a uh, sort of a, a function and and it feels real um it really adds to it you know yeah. you, you, at no point do you really think oh that's a nice set because it it feels like a moon base indeed indeed okay right so we have this planet we have three hawks um spaceships coming towards us mark nine hawks. mark nine but our mark first clue yeah. yeah our first clue that things are not quite as they seem is that the ships have appeared without showing on any of the scanners Everyone on Moonbase yes. Alpha is just startled to see three, uh, as you say, Mark Nine Hawks. Victor recognises them straight yeah. away. They're Hawks. They're Mark Nine Hawks. Um, and Alan goes, "Oh, they're war machines." Yeah. And and they go to red alert without thinking. How did these ships get here? These are Earth-based ships. You know, <laughs> how did they get out as far as us, and why are they coming towards us? It's a, it's a very strange opening, and. It, 
again, the, the sort of the ending, I think, explains it a little bit. But it's a very strange opening that no one is really acting how they should. Koenig no. is very much, especially after, you know, after the battle, Koenig's very much, hey, we've killed them, which is very not like Koenig. And Victor's quite bloodthirsty. Yeah, we're coming very, up to that yeah, bit. Yeah, I mean, not like uh, yeah. I mean, there's no reply to their communications. Um, so Koenig orders three eagles to take off to yeah. intercept and say and says to prepare to take casualties. So he's spoiling for a fight immediately. Yeah. Like you say, he's it's out of character for very him. out of character. He's got up wrong, hasn't he? There's he, there's <laughs> been no Wheatos in the canteen or something. Maybe he's uh, been rebuffed by Helena. Well, possibly, possibly. <laughs> How would he tell? Um, <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a strange. I mean, Space Ninety Nine did did open a few episodes mid story, didn't they? They didn't yes. waste a lot of time, you know, do it doing a an introductory scene and a little comedy scene. They'd be bam straight into the action. But this is especially so um, to the point where when you put in Blu-ray, you go, oh, I've skipped a chapter. Yeah. And you think, no, hang on, I haven't. Th- no, this you is haven't. this is this is started here. Yeah. Yeah, and and it moves at a fair old pace because Very we next nice. yeah we next see the three eagles flying along and it's it's the traditional thing for uh, for this show is if you watch it and it's, it's very apparent on Blu-ray they always follow a path where there's no stars there's always a corridor of blackness yeah. you know, <laughs> that, they, that they fly along because of course if they flew over the one of the stars because of the way the opticals are combined you would see the star through the eagle so you can always see where they're just about to go can't you. You you can yes um, the, the I suppose we better we better start talking about special effects as this is a, a yes. discussion on special <laughs> effects the um, a- Anderson shows always great special effects even I mean right back Stingray times great great ships and Space nineteen ninety nine carries on that tradition but I think raises it to a new level mm. the, I mean it's it's often people say oh it's two thousand and one quality effects. And I think they're 2001 quality models. They're not quite filmed uh, with – you sometimes get a, a, a lack of um, scale, mm. especially with the eagles. Um, they Sometimes they do look like models flying around superbly. But I don't think that breaks the, the spell. No. No. You know, much much like on Thunderbirds when you sit and you, you're thinking, oh, that looks like a model. And then you think, hang on, everything's a bloody model. Yeah. Um, but this this works. The, the eagles fly about as well as a bread van, yes. <laughs> which shows in this episode. <laughs> but but they're very believable. And I love the fact that, again, they've only – they sort of – I think they make mention of um, – Get the laser readied, or the, the laser equipped. The, the laser eagle, ready. yeah. And they, they've got like four or three – they haven't got many, mm. and I think that that's absolutely right. Why would they have many laser-equipped eagles? Yes, yes. You know. Yeah, it's funny you should say 2001 because, of course, Brian Johnson, he, he was yeah. special effects uh, head for the show, and he worked on 2001, and, and he was the one who came up with the initial design for the eagles, and he was using that mentality and as the, the aesthetic from 2001 to have this yeah. workhorse with all the girder work exposed and everything, you know? Uh, yeah, it's, it's very, I mean, shape-wise, it's, it's sort of similar to the moon bus hmm. from 2001, but I think more, uh, more like you say, mechanical, more, it, look, it looks like a forklift in space. Yes. Um, when you, th- it's it's one of those craft. I absolutely love the eagle. I'm as I'm sat here, I'm staring at a 33 inch long eagle that I built that sat that's sort of on my shelf. Um, it's it's an amazing design, but it's one of those designs that the minute you think about it, mm. it doesn't quite work. 
So yeah. you've got to suspend your disbelief. But it's it's a beautiful craft, and it it fits again fits perfectly with the fact that this isn't a military base in space, isn't it? These these would be these are basically forklifts or minibuses or yeah. you know they're they're transport craft for doing work, um, uh, and they're just beautiful. I think I think they're really really good design. Yeah, and of course they they were designed and built to just shuttle stuff around. Yeah. On on the moon, they were yeah. never designed to actually go into a, an atmosphere of a planet. And of course they couldn't. You know, no. if, they, if they, this is like a brick, it's like yeah. trying to fly a brick through an atmosphere. They, isn't they it? wouldn't so much fly as plummet. <laughs> they would. I think, yeah. They would. Um, but you you sort of have to you have to forgive that, don't you? I think the fact that. You know, they, they they never make mention of like, oh yeah, they switch the artificial gravity drive on or anything like that. Mm. So so they're presumably uh, they have rocket motors in because they look like rocket bells on the back and they mm. emit. But there's nowhere really to keep any fuel. No, no. <laughs> um, yeah, you've got you've got a cockpit that has a sliding door that has nowhere to slide to yes <laughs> which is, is the door go yeah, where does the door go <laughs> uh, this, this, i mean if if you're a if you're at all ocd and liking to match up your interior shots with your exterior of the craft for god's sake don't watch this show the inside <laughs> the eagle will not fit yeah. this is this is tardis technology indeed uh, the 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 flight deck is just amazing if you if you ever if you're a modeler you will try at some point to either make a cutaway version or to try and make and you can't it just no, will not happen it's just so impossible it, yeah don't do it don't do it but this is a mid tv uh, sorry mid 70s tv show yeah. that the episodes were shown once they were never meant to be really no. watched again and certainly not free freeze framed and paused yeah, like, like like we do now yeah so um middle-aged men were not meant to pause it on Blue we weren't meant to do this no no, no. Um, right you, and as a kid you bought it totally you oh absolutely and, and bought the uh, the Airfix Eagle model kit yes, as well. Yes, literally, yeah. Yes, and a dinky. Yeah. And the dinky. I never had a dinky. I, well, sounds sounds rude. <laughs> for, for any of our American listeners, um, dinky is a range of, or was a range of uh, diecast metal toys. So yeah, yeah. If I, if I ever if yeah. I say to Ian, you never had a dinky one. Yeah, we're talking about a toy, aren't we? If if you ever say you're off to play with your dinky, yeah. I know exactly what you're doing. <laughs> Yeah, your odd, oddly coloured green dinky. The end yes. of it was green. Yeah. Yes. I'd love to have known what was in the tea at Dinky's factory. Or blue as well. The, yeah, the or transporter blue. Or what, one was blue, wasn't fair, it? To be fair, whatever colour they seem to have laid yeah. about, wasn't it? Yeah. All right. So we've got these three eagles. They're following a corridor of blackness through space. Uh, we cut back to Moonbase Alpha, and here we go. It's an attack, John. Spoken by anybody else, fine, but it's spoken by the pacifist Victor yes. Bergman. This is totally out of character with him this, as well, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, Vic, Victor should be saying she should be holding John back and saying, "John, we need to communicate with these people." Yeah, um, yeah it. I, I get the feeling that because Barry Morse hasn't got a lot to do in this episode and he's billed third, they gave him the wonderful monologue later in the episode and they also gave him other people's episodes. I can see Paul saying this. I can especially yeah. see Alan saying this. Yeah, but he's already in the eagle. He's, yeah, he's, he's left, off. So, yeah, but but it's not a Victor line. It comes no. across, and and with the 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 ending, you can you can retro get around this, but it just doesn't feel right, does it? No, it doesn't. It doesn't not feel at all. right. I mean, it's the fact that he's the pacifist. Yeah. That's why I liked him as so much as a character. Yeah. 
You know? Yeah, this this was this was a this was a guy that if I was going into space, this is the sort of person I would want next yes. to me. Yeah. I I don't want Kirk. I don't want Blake, especially. Um, I certainly wouldn't want Avon next to me. Um, but yeah, I would want Victor because Victor is he looks at the best of everything. Hmm. He's always upbeat, even in the face of death. Yeah which these people face regularly um and he's always he's always got an answer hasn't he he yeah. always he always picks a little solution out yeah you say kirk and and here we have a kirk moment from koenig because koenig barks fire yeah and and we get the three hawks are pretty quickly destroyed um well they're not destroyed it, it it's what they did on this show is they didn't <laughs> of course blow up the models through brilliant editing quick editing yeah. you would substitute a photo of the uh, model and blow that up. It's a, you know? it's a classic, classic technique. It is you in uh, again. You're not meant to be watching these in high def mm. to pause from it. But there is a, a, a little bit later on um, yeah. when one of the eagles gets blown up, yeah. and it's the most obvious car. Yeah, got- it's it's more two dimensional than Helena. That's how that's how what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It should have had some Vaseline on the lens. Yes, that would have helped, actually. Ironically, that would have have. helped. Yes. Right, so uh, that that destroyed. It was too easy, says uh, Alan. And it's nice Um, that Alan realises that. Yeah, yeah. Again, that should have been Coney realising that, or even Victor. Hmm. You know, but it was not. Alan gets some nice stuff in this, actually. He, he does. Nice he does. Yeah. So, yeah, it's too easy. And then we see three more Hawks are coming in and uh, Koenig says, uh, we've got a war. Yeah. Which he has through his actions. Yes, he started this war. He's trumped his way into this war, hasn't he? He's, yes. He's, yeah. he's caused this. So we've got a second squad of eagles that are preparing to take off to to, to reach these new hawks. Uh, they're destroyed quite quickly by the hawks. Machine guns. It's 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 yeah. very odd. The eagles have got lasers, but these seems to have, seem to have machine guns. Um, but they work. So I. I can't really blame them for it. If they've got machine guns and they work, well, they've, yeah. actually, they've actually got little uh, flashing grain of Little flashing bombs, lights. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> that's something that that um, Anderson shows, I seem to recall, suffered from a lot was that obviously putting on laser beams probably costs a bit, but a flashing light um, doesn't. I mean, yeah. Terrorhawk suffered from it as well, didn't it? Yes. I, I seem to remember. It's a long time since I've seen that show. But yeah, the old flashing light as a gun syndrome. Yes. But it... It sort of works in this. Yeah. It's still not quite satisfying, but... No. I mean, it's, it helps that you, over the top of it, you have the sound effects of a yes. machine gun. If it, if it was just going blinky-blink... Yes, that's true. It wouldn't be the same. It wouldn't be the same. Yeah. Um, you said earlier about the bad photo of the eagle. That's coming up now, because yeah. the, the, the eagles are destroyed on their launch pads. Yeah. And, yeah, wh- one of them, it's quite a long, close-up, lingering yeah. shot it of it. it hangs on it, doesn't it? It hangs, it, on. it hangs on it. And the angle's all wrong as well. Yeah. The perspective of the photo is wrong. So it shouldn't actually be on that landing pad at that angle anyway. And it's god-awful. It <laughs> really is. It is. It's, it's not a great... Especially considering how good the rest of the effects are. Yeah, but... It, no, it's poor. Yeah, it's the other, poor. But the other thing is, I mean, we've said, you know, it, we're not meant to see this in HD and we're not meant to pause it. Also, television screens were much smaller then. Yes. Mid-70s, a lot of people were still watching, you know, black and black white and TVs. White. We'll come on to this on behind the scenes. So, yeah, maybe maybe you could have got yeah. away with it then. Yeah, again, it's... I mean, I, 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 
I think I had these on VHS. I can't remember. I might have had some films. I don't remember watching them on VHS. But I imagine perhaps it would look better on grainy vision VHS. Yes. Yeah. We have another dogfight. Um, and during this dogfight, we've got a bit of music through this bit. Um, it, it's jarring that it's not yeah. especially done for the show. It's actually stock music from something called the Chapel Music Library. I think it's called the Astronauts, and uh, it's from the Chapel Music Library. Yeah, now, of course, the, the Anderson shows are quite uh, famous for reusing music yeah. from their own shows. You know, in UFO, they were very often using music from Joe 90 and Stingray. Um, but it's odd that it comes from outside here. Yeah, I went perhaps they, you know, just didn't have the time to. Although, you just, like you say, you just thought they'd have just bunged in some Stingray music or something. Mm. The, some, some of the incidental music on Space 1999, because it had been a, a while since I'd, I'd seen them. Because like I say I'm, I'm trying to rack my brains. I don't think I had them on VHS. So I watched. I bought the Blu-ray set, and again, as, as you said, Eric, I'd recommend that Blu-ray set to anyone. It's one of the best restored prints of anything I've ever seen. It's amazing. It, lo- it looks better now than it ever did when it was first transmitted. I imagine. In fact, we know that's to be the case because they color corrected shots that they didn't have time to color correct before. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So watching it. You, you start thinking, have they, put, have they put wrong music on? This sounds like Thunderbirds. Mm. This sounds like Stingray. This is, yeah, but it's not. It's, well, it could be, I suppose, in some of them, but it's, um, yeah. it, it's the original music. But yeah, this bit of music does jar. Yes, it does. It certainly does. Yeah. Okay, all but Carter's eagle are, are destroyed, and he's a dead duck as uh, he and his co-pilot, they shut down power. <clears throat> Quite and cleverly, have, I think. Quite clever. Yeah. That's, that's nicely written in that that they he's chosen to do this thinking ahead which is unusual for carter he was always the he he was the (laughs) closest bruiser yeah he's the closest we got to the kirk figure i think yeah 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 Yeah, so yeah they shut down power we've got more hawk attacks on alpha and alpha boy it takes a pounding (laughs) um the 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 actual buildings the explosion the very thunderbirds these just ginormous explosions you can see the the the, the actual floor of the you know know, the tabletop miniature is is shaking with the force of the explosions The, the level of destruction in this episode is astonishing you almost get the feeling you start thinking was this the the final episode in season and they you know they knew that these sets and these models were going to be revamped or mm, it's yeah. it's it's astounding a level of of battering that they take in this episode mm, yeah it's, okay yeah, okay the, the, the hawks call off the attack they yeah. sort of like drift away towards the planet but then almost immediately you see them coming back and uh, they've got a battle cruiser with them this time yes um of course victor doesn't tell us what what uh, type of battle cruiser it is uh, no. Very remiss of him. He knows the the Mark Nine Hawk. Um, yes. I I got the feeling that 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 in in this reality, because obviously you know we got to 1999, the year, and we didn't have a moon base. 
Um, so I, this is a different reality. And I get the feeling that Victor collected like his version of Airfix models. And perhaps his favorite was the Hawk Mark nine. <laughs> That's yeah, how he be. remembered it. But they do, they, there's a, a lovely line where they sort of say, uh, I think Koenig says, um, uh, they're going by the book. Yeah. Uh, they've sent, they've taken out a fighter defense and now bring in the bomber. It doesn't yeah. look like a bomber, does it? Uh, no, <laughs> it's no Lancaster, is it? It's, um, in fact, what what you really should say is they've brought in the discovery, but <laughs> yes, yes. Well, yeah. Stand by for behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, straight after he says those lines, we get the Star Wars shot. Yes. Where the battle cruiser comes over the top of the camera and heads off uh, into the distance. Absolutely, a hundred percent, the opening of Star Wars. Two years before. Two years before. Okay, yeah. and. Um, you have to wonder, is it coincidence or not? I'm thinking it is coincidence because, of course, you know, they would have been prepping for filming. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know the day of transmission of this show in America. I uh, don't know. Would have been quite soon, I would have thought, after transmission here, if not simultaneous. Mm. I would have thought 76 latest. I think it's more a coincidence. I mean, Andrew Glazebrook, when we were doing the silent running episode, he... Yep. He mentioned that some shapes and some craft lend themselves to be photographed at certain angles. True. You have a beauty shot a certain way. I mean, you know, um, the craft in Silent Running, the Valley Forge, is this long uh, shape. And there's a shot in Silent Running where it's above the ship rather than below. And it's coming towards the camera rather than going away. But it's the yeah. similar sort of thing. And I think that's what's happening here. It's, it's, it's talented people faced with the same problem coming up with a similar solution which happens throughout history yeah i don't i i I wouldn't bet money on it that that someone had seen this and worked on it because because of course the um the special effects was it presumably done in this country for star wars yes yeah oh no 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 the model work was all in america Ah, all right okay um but yeah i i think it's probably coincidence the other thing to think about of course is um and I've not watched it in, in a, about a year, so I'd need to check it. Is there a similar shot in 2001? There is. In that yeah, case, the, that's probably where they all come from. Yeah, it, yeah. That's yeah. and again, again, Brian Johnson was working on the model work on 2001. Yep. He might have remembered it, and it's like, well, we've got this similar shape ship, so let's do something similar. Yeah, yeah. and also it's a it's a classic way of showing size and threat, and mm. you know, so I yeah I. I was going to say I forgive them, but of course they were earlier anyway. But yeah, it's it is quite you, you do something that I actually I just found my notes from um, when I watched this episode yesterday, and I'd actually put on it Star Wars shot yeah. in brackets. Yeah, so it absolutely yeah. is. I don't know if there is a, a, a YouTube clip just showing this sequence from the show, but if there is, I'll, I'll put it up on Facebook so uh, people can see just be. just how yeah similar it is because it is identical. You know? I, I think what they should do is go and watch the episode anyway. Yeah, go and watch the whole episode. Clip, yeah. Or buy the Blu-ray. Or buy Blu-ray, yeah. Yeah, talking about the Blu-ray, um, what you were saying there, it does look fantastic because, of course, Space 1999 was all shot on 35mm film. Yes. So if you're going back to the negative, you are going to get a beautiful um, a, and it, a, a beautiful image. I can't think, I can't sort of um, overemphasize it, that it is, it's astonishing, this Blu-ray. It's... Um, Weirdly, head and shoulders above the season two Blu-ray release, which See, is I strange. Gone there. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I wouldn't bother. It's it. it that's nowhere near as, as nice. And the amount of love and uh, 
attention that went into this. I say they, they went in and color corrected every shot because they just didn't have the time or the budget to do it originally to the point where you, you can now see that, you know, that Moonbase Alpha is mainly white as opposed to uh, mm. sort of off-white. And um, Koenig's uh, sleeve and collar, you can now see are the charcoal gray rather than the black. Mm-hmm. Um, so, it, 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 yeah, it's, it's a lovely, lovely transfer. Yeah. Okay. Right, Carter. He fires on the battle cruiser as it goes past, and it blows yeah, up in a yeah, and it blows up in this <laughs> massive explosion. Yeah. Well, and I we presume fi- they were they were presumably carrying bombs. <laughs> I, you know, they yeah. don't, they they sort of, they they sort of mention Carter says, uh, "I think that was that one was meant for Alpha." And it's like, well, duh. <laughs> and Koenig says that it was their doomsday device. Yeah. He, he, it was. It, it might be. It's just yeah. whacking big. I mean, he's got no basis yeah. to. He um he does like pulling things out of his ass, doesn't he, Koenig? He does, he does. do that a bit. Yeah, a lot of lot of supposition going on. He does, but he's the commander. He's yeah, allowed to. True, yeah. Yeah. Um, back at Alpha, they find the damage is so bad yeah. that they've got no choice but to evacuate to the yes. planet. Yes, despite they, this warning, they ru- they get people to run up and down the uh, um, command center stairs several times yes which yes. is if you're if you're a set watcher which is yeah. really sad pastime um you'll notice that that generally they'll they they don't use i mean they do use a lot of stock footage of model stuff but they tend generally they've got a lot of standing sets for alpha but they obviously mm. didn't have any staircases <laughs> so they say send everyone down to the the you know the bunker level down to the bunkers yeah, yeah. But obviously the only stairs they've got are the ones that go up to that nice little um coffee area <laughs> yeah there's like a mezzanine yeah. isn't yeah. there yeah. Um, yeah so they're running and they're running keep running past the computer and it's like wow but yeah. uh you can't fault them for that that's a very small very small it's little a small niggle isn't yeah. it yeah so koenig and russell they head down in the last remaining eagle they've only got one eagle left okay which contradicts something that's going to happen soon. But anyway, they go down to the planet in the last remaining eagle, and we have this beautiful planet shot um, with true 70s science fiction buildings um, set amongst all this lush, you know, miniature uh, landscapes. Yeah, it's um, they they did. They did wacky, but really nice planetscapes in space 1999. As I say, it's mid 70s. I mean, this I'll put the photo of, yeah. of of what we're talking about on Facebook. You you wouldn't be surprised to see that on a seventies, a mid seventies science fiction paperback. Cover. No, or yeah. a progressive rock album cover. Yeah, I was, I was just about to say uh, Roger and Martin Dean. Yeah, you know they were producing um, painted artwork for yeah prog rock covers just like this. Yeah, it's um, you, it, it it encapsulates a time period better yes. than anything. Yeah, the eagle lands on a perfectly sized landing platform yep. and now at the end of the episode when we find out what's going on it's yeah. not really a surprise that that actually does work no everything uh, in this episode can be forgiven can't it? yeah which is yeah. strange and off they go to meet the aliens uh you've got a dome-headed anthony valentine and yes, a dome-headed yeah. isla blair and what you were saying there this is the mid-70s and this is something from all these tv shows that were being made uh, at the time it's another one of this ooh. That's what's his face. What do I know him yeah, from? You exactly. Know? Yeah. All the ITC shows and everything. They that that they crossbred. All these actors were in so many other shows, weren't they? They were. It's almost instead of a monster of the week, you had a guest star of the week, didn't you? And mm. it was it was usually a, a a a top quality, but possibly not 
at the height of their yeah. fame guest star like Christopher Lee, um, Anthony Valentine, Peter various Cushing. others, Peter Cushion. Um, generally, they would all give a very, very wooden performance, mm. which is strange. Now, it could be that that they were told, you know, you're an alien. How did an alien act? Oh, yeah. motionless. I've seen Spock. Um, but yeah, especially in this one, Anthony Valentine, who is a, a really good actor. I mean, amazing mm. in Colditz. Um, that's where it, that's where I would have known him from at the time. It's like showing mm. my age again. Um, but he gives a, a very, very phoned-in blank performance, I think, in this. I think he's just thinking, well, I'm an alien. This is how aliens yeah. are. Yeah. yeah, it could be a Spock thing. I think it? so. I think he's, he's the only the only thing he's seen sci-fi has been Star Trek. And he thought, who's yeah. the alien on that Spock? Yeah. All right. Emotionless. Um, whereas the uh, uh, the lady alien, is it Isla Blair? Isla Blair, I recognize yes. Her? Oh, she was a good-looking woman. Um, I know her from Blake 7. Yes, yes. She's you got know, the, the really dual episode. She's got some... She's got... Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, go and stick that out clip, everyone. Yeah, um, yes. <laughs> but yeah, she's really good in it. She, she obviously didn't get the emotionless uh, memo. No, no. All right, so the the Alphans start to evacuate um, yeah. in Eagles. Yes. But we've just been told that they've only got one eagle left. Ah, now I thought this. I thought this, and I rewound it. They say we've used up all the uh, laser-equipped eagles. Because uh-huh. at the beginning, I thought, they've got more than four eagles. But no, they, they actually say, they definitively say that it's laser-equipped uh-huh. eagles they've run out of, which makes oh, I sense. That line. Yeah. I that Yeah, I thought that, and I had to rewind, so, oh, hang on. Because I know they build eagles quickly, because they go through so many of them in this show. Um, but yeah, it's, so these are all unarmed eagles. Right, right. And it's at this point that we have a true Victor Bergman moment, where yes. he uh-huh. records his... Uh, monologue as you say uh bidding farewell to alpha and leaving a message for anybody um that might discover it yes if you don't get a little tear in your eye listening to victor then he is brilliant just, barry yeah, morse is is, superb, is brilliant yeah superb actor having said that what we were just saying about guest starring on other shows i saw i stumbled across an episode of the saint on itv4 oh. the other day and he was in it and was he, he I, it wasn't that he was bad but he had the worst american accent oh, right. yeah he was yeah he's got a terrible american accent in uh, whoops apocalypse as well which of course it. yeah i've yeah. forgotten about him in which that. is which yeah. is actually now that's became a a uh, a show that's predicted the future isn't it it's mm. predicted reality now um yeah. but yeah he's terrible in that as well as with an accent really good very very funny but yeah not not a great american accent right well we go back to the planet and and here we get the guff that i never liked about the show you've got dull dialogue with characters i don't particularly like and acting in a way that i don't like barbara bain's way of acting this breathless yeah solemn you know monologues with no emotion in her yeah, voice you've, whatsoever you've, you've possibly from one or two of my previous comments you've possibly guessed that i i don't care for barbara bain in this program now i don't doubt i've not seen a lot of other stuff but she had a quite a good career and i don't doubt that she's no actress but in this she is awful as helena russell um she does most of the time she does stare at the camera and recite your lines acting. Yeah. Uh, when she tries to portray any emotion, it becomes 
hysterical in watching it. You're just laughing out. Like, in this, this where she's shouting John's name. It's yeah. just oh my god, she's so bad. Which is a shame because everyone else is pretty good in it. Um, but yeah, she was never a strong point. I never no. once bought the idea of a romance between her and John. She's just cold. She's a cold fish. She's just yeah. cold. And and the thing that I couldn't stand is when you have the soppy moments and you have the close up. So the whole screen is filled <laughs> with her face, yeah. you know, lit in a certain way. And they've smeared that Vaseline yeah. on the a lens. Vaseline moment. Yes. You wait for them. Um, this was a trope that started in. I, well, it probably started in Hollywood, but it was well known for Trek. So every time you had a, a beautiful lady on Trek, yeah. you would have a Vaseline smeared lens. Um, yeah. I, it's just it's strange. You, who, who's deciding this? Who's choosing yeah. this? But yeah, she gets more than a, a fair share. Um, the, there's there's a nice story with one, I think, one of the cinematographers or one of the directors of photography where she, he had worked with her in the past and she kept complaining, saying, why why you know why can't you make me look like you used to do on this other show and he was oh, mission, uh, impossible. Yeah, mission impossible and it was sort of well that was 20 years ago that was 10 years ago <laughs> it's, it's not my camera lens uh but yeah it's this this episode suffers from it horribly and you you are right the the middle part of this episode is the point at which you possibly would go and make a cup of tea yeah or flick channels or flick channels or on the yeah. Blu-ray, skip a chapter. It's um, it can work. Some there's other Space 1999 used to at some point in almost every episode when they meet aliens, you get a scene which involves them standing around in a gaudily lit alien habitat, normally with someone in a fish tank. <laughs> I don't. That was bizarre. Yeah. But normally it would be uh, either Victor and John speaking to the alien or. You know, but whenever it was Helena as the as the yeah. central plank, and I use that word with meaning, <laughs> that it doesn't work. It's 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 you just it's like come on, blow something up, you know. Yeah. And I, I oh, like no, I like a bit of I like a bit of emotion in my programs. I like a bit of oh, nice no. dialogue. But this isn't. This is just dull, dull and she badly was acted. Yeah, she, she was dreadful. Do you remember that one where she, she actually plays the cave woman oh, version of her, God, and, yes. and she was rubbish at that. Yeah. <laughs> Can't even can't, play a cave can't, person. Can't even grunt convincingly. That's a funny episode, that. Oh, if that, you ever want that, to cheer yourself up, go and watch that. That's one. When I open up the Blu-ray and I go, right, I fancy watching an episode of Space 1999, and you look down the names of all the titles, that's not one that leaps out at me. No, no. It's, no. There, there's a few that are stinkers in season one. Um, but that is just... I mean, that's that's end-level Voyager-type mm. scripting. Um, yeah, it's, it's just cool. astonishingly bad. Yeah, Koenig manages manages to escape though, and it's off he goes. He joins up with killed. Carter. Have to be yeah. killed. You see, this is where it all—it's like really. And you know, as I say at the beginning of the episode, there are clues there that are, yeah. all is not quite what yes. quite what it seems. We're in the middle of the series, and no, you know, the main character can't be killed off. Yeah, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, he he joins up with Carter. He, he gets in Carter's eagle. Um, and then promptly they get blown up by a force field, and <laughs> and and he just drifts away. Yeah. Oh, that was my wife just doing the, uh, the 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 motions of being blown up. Oh, okay. um, uh, <coughs> sorry, I'm starting to choke now <coughs> with the emotion of it. <coughs> yeah. Um, Koenig drifts away and he's waffling to himself yep. as well. He's accepted his fate, hasn't he? He's mm. he's decided. He's thought Victor always gets a nice soliloquy. I'm going to have. I'm going to have a go. Yeah. Yes. Don't yeah. quite pull it off. 
this in the mid 70s is when you need a tv with a fast forward button yes just yeah. get on to the next bit um, well there was a I can't remember which. There's a, a it might be the Cohen brothers, someone like that. It's fam, famous <laughs> directing uh, team that say that they plan their movies with toilet breaks in mind. So they always they'll time out and put like a dull scene in, so that if you go leave, you go to the toilet in the cinema, you're not missing anything. And I I wonder if this is the uh, this is the toilet break moment. Koenig dying. Yeah, I know they do that an awful lot when they're when they're editing um, either a comedy or a yeah. scary film that you've got to leave a little gap after yeah. where the the laugh's going to be. You've got to have a pause of about like four or five seconds, haven't you? Yeah, so the audience is. calms down because they know that there will be this noise in the auditorium at the cinema. So you've got to have these few seconds afterwards until everyone's calmed down before anyone can speak again, because otherwise you won't hear the next line. That's true. Yeah, and in in um... <laughs> Blade Runner 2049, they put two and a half hours of... Two and a half hours of it, toilet, yeah. Yeah, which was, you know, <laughs> suited me. Um, but yeah, so, so yeah, Koenig's floating away <coughs> yes. in, uh, uh, in sort of a, a very strange way. Yes. Yeah. Um, but we cut back to soft-focus Helena, and she, she conquers her fear. She brings John back to life, who promptly starts shooting the room up. Again, another yeah. Kirk moment. He just you know, get, whips his uh, weapon out, so yes. to speak. Ooh. And... Uh, starts shooting up the room which somehow starts a self-destruct that blows up all those lovely buildings well it's i mean it's it's so powerful it sets off some stock footage doesn't it of some of red nuclear tinted yeah. nuclear yeah, yeah. You know, it's a real nuclear explosion looks rubbish doesn't it it's it's not good no, no i mean i i couldn't especially <laughs> when your special effects team are the kings of blowing things up yes get them to just blow up a planet model well, we've just yeah. seen this massive explosion of the battle cruiser. Yeah. You know, um, a whacking great big explosion. You could have done another one of those. Yeah. Flip you the know? film backwards and use that again. Yeah. It would have. And, yeah. yeah, and tint it red. Yeah, tint yeah. it red. Yeah, so um, that's that. Koenig orders all his people to go back to Alpha as it's better to die there than yeah. on this planet. And then we get that awful cliche wibble wobble to take us back in time, don't yeah. we? Yes. <laughs> the. the uh... The, the the it is horribly cliched the uh, wibbly wobbly effect yes yeah yeah and it takes them back in time to the it's an it's an attack john moment yes but only koenig and helena seem to have any recollection uh, recollection that it's the second time around yeah so so this this excuses all the odd behavior from everyone else in that scene i think yes yes yeah, it's not convincing, but I guess it does. Yeah, because yeah. he says to hold fire, yeah. and uh, the three hawks promptly vanish. Yes, uh, and then they realise it's all been a shared dream. Yes, and the, they sort of he asks the aliens, doesn't he? He says, "Can we land on your planet?" And they say, "No, you're too no. dull. Yeah. You don't want Helena stinking the place, <laughs> and you can't up. act." Yes, yeah. and we haven't got the storage for all the jars of Vaseline. That's true. Yeah. See, I wonder, I wonder if when she was offered a role in a, an SF show, she thought that stood for soft focus. Ah, oh, there you go. I, I, I think you've cracked it, Ian. <laughs> well done. <laughs> Excellent. Um, All right. Yeah, it's, it, I, it's a cheesy ending because it's the, the equivalent, it was all a dream. Yeah, uh, which yeah. is the the laziest piece of script writing. Get out! But it, yeah, it, it works in this. I um, I, when I was watching it yesterday, I I it what well, I did find it quite emotional, which was quite strange. 
But then right. I, you know, I uh, I get very emotional at television and film programs at the drop of a hat. <laughs> but this, I, yeah, I thought this works. This is good. I I, I approve of this. It, hmm. You know, even it is a, a horrible cliche. It is. It, you'll either get to the end of it and you'll go, ah, or you'll go, ah. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's it's one of those endings. Okay. Right. That's the ending. So we're going to go on to behind the scenes. Excellent. Okay. Um, now, with a couple of exceptions at the start of the show, uh, the guest craft were always built by Martin Bauer. Yes. Um, often having a free hand to come up with his own designs. And here we go. The Battle Cruiser and the Three Hawks are his designs. I'm thinking. I'm thinking maybe these maybe are the two most popular of his designs with fans. Yes, I think, think these are these these are certainly the most iconic uh martin bauer designs mm. i think yeah i've right. never been a great fan of the hawk i have to say um all right it, yeah it it's never it's never grabbed me like the eagle does oh no i prefer the Do hawk you? to the really? eagle yeah. yeah no i like yeah. I, I, I like the um the the boxiness the volvo-ness of the the eagle um, all right perhaps it's because i never could track down the hawk model the fx model so i only ever had eagles Oh no, I had it. Yeah, it was small though, wasn't it? Tiny little it, thing. It was. It was kind of small. It, it's. It is in scale. It's. I tell you what, it's in scale with the product Enterprise Eagle, which I've got. Oh right. Uh, um, yeah, cockpit window size and everything. They're almost identical, uh -huh. so it's pretty much the same scale. All right. Well, we're going to go into behind the scenes now. Anybody who's listening that's not that bothered by uh, uh, model work and kit bashing etc etc might might want to fast forward to the end to the rating because we're going to go pretty in depth here but if yeah if, if making models and kit part identification is is your bag then uh I let's think, go for it i think you've just hit our audience directly on the head there i think that's the only people that are going to be listening <laughs> well good because i've got a lot of information most of this information i've got from uh the bauer house magazine oh. um that i used to produce with martin bauer um, a few years ago, and um, two of the issues, uh, Martin went into great detail um, regarding the Battle Cruiser and the Hawk. So we'll go first to the Battle Cruiser, okay? Right. It, now, this Battle Cruiser was actually used four times in um, in Space 1999. You're a fan, Ian. Can you name the four times? Uh, no. I know they cut it about a bit. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll be talking about that in a minute. Right. The first time it's ever actually used um, is in the Alpha Child episode. Right. OK. Um, it's in this episode. It's one of the derelicts that you see in Dragon's Domain. Ah, yes. In yes, that, in that, that spaceship yeah. graveyard. And the very front, the command section, that ball section is seen in the Metamorph. Ah, Oh, and also it's revamped for the last enemy as well. Right. Uh, it's it's one of the um, one of the uh, planets. Uh, ultimate weapons in last enemy okay right here we go martin bauer it's quite well known that martin bauer built this battle cruiser straight after c in 2001 yeah it's it's so discovery it's it's yes. more discovery than a discovery channel isn't it yeah he he says that when he saw 2001 do you remember this when you could go to a cinema and you could stay in the cinema yeah. all day long i um i won one summer i watched battlestar galactica 18 times Really? What a waste my life has been. <laughs> Jesus. I tell uh, you what, yeah, seems, it was good. what seems strange now is when I first started in the cinema, you had a lot of uh, double bills. You know, yes. you had your feature and your second feature. But I guess to keep the day shorter, uh, the first show of the day was just the feature. 
So you watch the feature. It started with the ads and trailers and then the feature. And then if you wanted to watch the second feature, which is usually the, uh, you know, the older film that's yeah. with this new film, you then had to, to um, watch the next performance to and get... watch that second feature and then leave during the sales break. All oh, right. I, I, I remember having the second features at certain films, um, and sometimes they were better than the main film. Oh, yeah. um, but it's not – it must have gone quite quickly into my cinema-going sort of life because it I – can't, I can't remember when it went, but I, it must have gone very – do, do we know sort of time-wise? Presumably it would have been late 70s. Yeah, it was yeah. all during that time. It was through the 70s, and it was right up until the video era. So we're yeah. talking about, about 83, 84, they stopped doing it. Um, I remember there were always two films, what, three films that we always used to have back again again. Escape from New York, yeah. one of your favourites, uh, McVicar, and Quadrophenia. They were always second and, features. Isn't that weird? Because I, when I, in my short uh, career as a projectionist, didn't last long, um, Escape from New York was we put that on a lot as on a Saturday night as a just to fill out the playlist. Oh right, isn't that weird? Yeah, that would be my A choice now. <laughs> yeah, you know? I think with Escape from New York it was yeah. short yeah. because you know the the second feature had to be quite short. Yeah. and you know that's only about an hour and a half, isn't I, it? Yeah, I'm presuming that I mean one of the main reasons they got rid of the second feature was so they could have more showings of the main, the main one. So you're yeah. you know you're potentially it's a lot more money coming in isn't it yes yeah but that's what martin did he he said he's he stayed in the cinema all day long now it's quite a long film so i'm, I'm guessing he only, only managed about say three shows um but he, he rushed home all fired up with enthusiasm and inspiration after seeing all the model work and sh on show I, everything i'm, ju I'm ju yeah. everything i'm just about to say you have to put in context of martin was 16 years old right <laughs> which i find astonishing when you look at photos of what this thing looked like once he had built it. Just amazing that he was yeah. 16 and he did this. He, he talented man. Yeah. Now, it wasn't just the discovery from 2001 that um, gave him the inspiration. Um, but also, I don't know if you ever showed them or saw them. Um, when you used to go to the cinema, Pearl and Dean adverts. Oh, yeah. There you go. Yeah. And do you remember, it featured, a, yeah, it featured a cross-hatch series of interlaced lines going off into infinity. Yeah. Do you remember that logo with yeah. all the lines going off? That gave him the inspiration, the discovery, and the fact that that, that gave him the idea of having right. Gerda work in things. Okay. Right. The recipe list of parts that he used was um, the, the main body of this battle cruiser was two pieces of hardboard. Okay. Two foot by one. Two bits um, of Helena. Right. right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> spaced apart by more Helena. Two by one inch Helena's. Uh, was spaced apart with sloping hardboard going up to the top. Right. So that's your basic form of the body. Okay. The underside was his grandfather's old plate camera frame. <laughs> and why not? Yeah. Okay. Use yeah, what you got. The, yeah. He wanted a tubular neck for this. Um, couldn't he, 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 he was looking at toilet roll tubes and stuff like that. This is all before the days of EMA yeah. um, products or Plastruct. Um, and he actually used a cardboard tube from a, a carpet. You know, when carpet oh, right, is delivered, yeah. you've got those whacking great big cardboard tubes. So that that was that. Um, the actual command ball at the front was a baby's rattle. <laughs> okay. Um, it was a baby's rattle with little, um, it had a little musical thing in it and yeah. butterflies and stuff. He had to cut that open. Uh, he had to cut it open to get the butterflies out 
and then he put a spacer between the two uh, hemispheres that he had created uh, made from the rim of a plastic flower pot. Right. See, this is what I love about Martin yeah. Bauer. He, he'll make things out of absolutely anything. And it's, it, is a, it is an art form. Um, just try it yourself. Yes. Um, yeah. Generally, when I try and do things using, you know, scratch building stuff, it'll look like a pile of old crap glued together. There's a, yeah. a definite art in it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, that is his skill. You yeah. know, he has this talent for envisaging something in his head yeah. and um, and just doing it. He's told me before, he, it's not very often that he actually does sketches no. for things. He, he just sees it in his head. Um, between the tubular neck and the command ball, that you've got a shape there um, that joins the two together. And that was actually a cottage cheese container. <laughs> okay. Again, yeah. what can I use for this? Yeah. Oh, look at that, you know. They obviously, um, kid, back then, they made better cottage cheese containers than they have now. Yes. Well, he was saying also about that plastic flower pot rim yeah. that he used. That was back in the days when uh, plastic flower pots were made of a better quality plastic. It wasn't as flimsy as they are now, you know, and you actually had to hacksaw through yeah. it. It was that, that, that it, much it, more. It was probably stronger than your average car body is now. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, kits used for detailing it include the, included the then newly released uh, Airfix Lunar module, yep. uh, the SRM-1 hovercraft, the RAF recovery set, the travelling dockside crane, tons of battleship kits, uh, the T-24 tank, the B-29 superfortress, the Everything is Go Atlas kit. All these kits I've just uh, mentioned there, they went on to be used by Martin over the years. Yeah. Um, you've been to his house, haven't yes, you? Yes, yeah, it's... Um... It's a kit paradise. His workshop is is just yeah. piled to the ceiling with multiples of yeah. all these kits. <laughs> it's, it's it's weird, isn't it? You see you see photos of, uh, of of special effects houses where they would just they'd have fifty, sixty of the same kits up there, mm. and uh, it, it's just it's astonishing. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right N- near the engine section are. Um, uh, Holhars from the 2001 Moonbase kit. Oh, right. And he, he, he would say that and almost weep, saying, yeah, I cut these up. But, mm. of course, that, that's been re-released now. It's not such a sin now to have used them because, you know, uh, Polar Lights, I think, re-released yes. it a few years ago. So it is available again, so it's not so bad. Uh, the pipes that the engine bells are connected to, um, with the main body that that's plastic drain pipes and the engine bells are plastic cereal bowls. Right. Okay. Uh, the girder work that is covering the ship um, was made largely from Kerplunk plastic <laughs> sticks. He put me onto that. I didn't realize, but yeah, Kerplunk plastic sticks are made from injection plastic. Ah. So you can use you know regular model glue. You don't need one of these uh, solvents yeah. or anything yeah, like that. You can just use bog standard modeling glue. Yeah. Although, and drink drinking straws as well is what he used. Yeah, getting Kerplunk now is probably a. A job in itself, isn't it? Is, oh no, it's but no, it's been re-released oh, under it, different it. names and stuff. Yeah, I mean, when my son was young, uh, he had it, and uh, yeah, no, it's still uh, still the same type of plastic. Yeah. All right, that was the first incarnation of the battle cruiser, um, and a while later, Martin decided to modify it, and he wanted to put in a midsection um, antennae dish. <laughs> like okay. the discovery, yeah. Yeah, so he pulled the tubular neck off. 
He made a mount for the dish from Plasticard and he detailed it with parts from the Bismarck kit and the Gemini capsule kits and put everything back together. But he was stuck as to what to use for the dish itself. Okay. Right. Now you've seen photos of this ship. Do you know what he used for that big antennae dish? Ooh. I wouldn't like to say it's vaguely wok shaped, but that would have been too big, I think. Uh, no, it's it's less than a wok. Um, you're going to kick yourself. Um, one night, he says, while lying in bed, he was looking up at his model of the USS Enterprise that he had hanging from the ceiling. Yeah. Back then, we used to hang models from the ceiling, yeah. didn't you? Did you used to do all, all my World War Two yeah. stuff? Just and, and then the ceiling, yeah, and then the yeah the cotton that's holding it up eventually would snap under the weight of all the dust. Yeah. Because you couldn't dust these like you know. Heinkel one one ones stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, they would come crashing was, down. It was definitely a uh, a rite of passage to to hang a, a you know a, a model that you've built from the ceiling. Yeah, I had all my airfix one seventy second scale you yep. know fighters and bombers alongside my science fiction you know my yep. Buck Rogers spaceships and stuff like that you know. But yeah, he was looking at it and then, and looked at the Enterprise and the light bulb went on. He took it down. He, he broke off the saucer section yeah. and then prized it apart. And that's what the antenna dish oh, is. It's right. one, one right. half of the saucer section of the Enterprise. I'm going to have to go and get a, a photograph and have a look. Well, wait for the Facebook yeah. page yes. because yeah. it'll, it'll be up on there. Um, and that was the second incarnation. Um, but being eight foot long, he couldn't really do much <laughs> with it. So it, it, he shoved it on top of his wardrobe. And that's where it stayed for quite a long time. Okay. Yep. Right, four years later, and Martin goes down to Bray Studios to see Brian Johnson about getting a job on the upcoming Space 1999 show. Uh, he took a photo album of his work and the Battle Cruiser, which had to be in two halves so it could fit into the back <laughs> of his car. Okay, yeah. uh, Brian Johnson, he was really pleased with it, and he asked if they could do some test footage then and there on it. Wow. And off the back of that, Martin got the gig. Uh, and here we have the third incarnation, as Brian wanted some slight changes to the model. Uh, the side engines were to be removed and replaced by landing pads for the smaller ships that yeah. were to be seen in the episode Alpha Child. Okay, and that's the incarnation we see it in in, in War Games. It's it's got these side landing pads still from Alpha yeah. Child. Okay, so that's the battle cruiser. Okay, yeah. Then we'll go on to your your favourite. <clears throat> Um, it was designed by Martin from a doodle of a Vostok-type ship by Brian Johnson that he had um, uh, sketched with a vaguely eagle-like nose. Yeah. Okay. Um, Martin elaborated on that, and he he decided to try and infer that the Hawks were from the same, you know, shipyards of the Eagle. Um, and of course, that's a design aesthetic that carried on later in the show with all the other Earthcraft had a similar yeah. nose cone to them, didn't they? Which I think that. That's good. It sort of brings everything together. Yeah. And of course, you know, into infinity, of course. Yeah. You know, famously, um, Martin Bauer built the spaceship for that, thinking it was for Space 1999, and it wasn't. That's why the spaceship in, in yeah, it's in, very, in, yeah, uh, infinity, very eagle-like. Yep. Yeah. There were two sizes for the Hawk, uh, one in scale with a 44-inch eagle and the other with the 22-inch one. Okay. Yep. Uh, the noses were vac-formed in plasticard. Um, the egg half shape on the underside was originally made for Dione's escape craft from the last enemy. Right. Okay. And the eyes of the Sidon ship in Voyager's Return had these egg shapes as well. So that's one on the underneath. Okay. Yeah. 
the main body was made from Saturn V and Saturn 1B kits with the tubular sections spaced apart with plastic cards. So instead of having a round tube, you had this strange widened tube yeah. shape. Uh, the upper framework was from soldered brass. Uh, the rear section again uses satin five parts with the engine bell turned in lime wood. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Bakelite. Here we go. <laughs> Bakelite salt cellars were used for the side engines, and they were attached to wedding cake pillars, which has caused a problem for anybody that wants yeah. to do a studio recreation of this uh, ship. Uh, is trying to track down the flaming wedding cake pillars. <laughs> this this is the problem that modelers face, isn't it? That yeah. when stuff's made from readily available things after a certain time, those readily available things are not readily available. Um, the least readily available thing on this ship was, I don't know if you know this, but there's some noz nozzles on the underside, and they are actually... Do you remember back in the 70s, mattresses had these little breather things yeah, on the side? Yeah. They still those do. Little, I mean, our mattress oh, has got them on, yeah. Yeah, well, that's what Martin used. Uh, he noticed these and just prized them out to be used sometime, and that's what's on the underside, which is a real problem if you want yeah. to be one hundred percent accurate. You know. Yeah, that's 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 where you start having to just scratch build something, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Or, or you you yeah. could go around old people's homes that's and look true, yeah. at old granny's mattresses, I suppose. Well, yeah. whatever gets you through the day, I suppose. <laughs> uh, kit parts on this one, uh, other than those already mentioned, um, you had the Vostok. Um, the Gemini capsule, as I say, and the 124th Airfix Harrier jump jet is used an awful lot in yeah. this. You know. Did they use the um, um, the ubiquitous girder bridge parts? That seems yeah, used in yeah, yeah, that they're in there yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, the ship was finished in white with grey panelling, yeah. uh, but once at the studio, a decision was made to paint them partly orange. Oh, I think that's a to, good choice. Yeah. Yeah, it's to different differentiate between the eagles during the battle. Um, as Martin had pointed out, though, and as I was saying earlier, you know, back in that time, you know, a lot of yeah. people still had black and white TVs, so it wouldn't have made much difference whether it was orange or not. No, that's true. Um, and they were they were hand painted. The orange was hand painted by Cyril Foster, who was one of the artists whose job was to touch up the lunar photos, which were then oh, stood really? up as backgrounds. And and yeah, as I say, he was done it all by hand. Um, that's all I've got for the hawk. Um, I wanted to mentioned the buildings on the planet yep. um, and i've got no idea who made them or what they were made from um keith wilson um you know he was the designer of the show so yep. i don't know if he had a hand in it i don't think martin made them um they don't look very martin bowery do no they? they don't i mean the, the you don't generally other than the the sort of classic above shot of Moonbase Alpha, you don't generally see close-ups of the buildings that much, but you do in this episode. And mm. when they when they blow up, they, they come apart quite yes. well. So, I, yeah, I'm not sure what they would have been made of, possibly even plaster or something like that to make them explode like they do. Mm. Um, but it's again, it's one of those... The show suffers from that the, the exterior of uh, Moonbase Alpha you never really equates to the interior... No, you know, I, I think fans have um, gone mad trying to fit the uh, command center into into where it should be. Isn't that the case with the model kit of the interior of Moonbase Alpha? It doesn't quite work, or something. Well, the the I mean, uh, the the Moonbase Alpha kit, which is a really nice kit, they because the Moonbase was so small and um, uh, main mission would have been 
tiny they did it as a much larger side section but of course uh, the 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 exterior of where main mission is which is the middle bit of moonbase alpha um doesn't have any large windows where the uh, mezzanine area is right so it can't actually fit anywhere in there <laughs> um <laughs> And there's there's been lots of fan sort of theories where they're sort of saying, oh, well, you're not actually looking out onto the moon. It's actually a simulation, and it's like, no, they no, just, no this is no. this is this is classic. <laughs> Two different people were designing this and never spoke yes. to each other. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's um, it blows up well this episode, doesn't it? Uh, Moonbase yeah. Alpha. Um, yeah, and they Indeed. yeah they um, it's it's a good job it was all a dream, really. Otherwise. <laughs> How would, yeah, how would they rebuild all this? In, indeed. Yeah, in fact, right. I was going to say when um, there's a, a brilliant to show the the because because this is all the whole story has been extrapolated from Koenig and Helena's mind. I'm presuming yes. this is what I've read. Sort of this is what you read into it. So so none of this happens. So it's not the real people doing this. So this is how Koenig and Helena imagine these people behave this is how these people are in their mind and there's a lovely scene where um medbay gets a hole in the window yes and uh the doctor goes up not helena but the, the male no, doctor, bob, bob yeah it? bob matthias that was it yeah the real doctor yeah the proper doctor <laughs> yeah the, he's the guy that did all the work so he goes the up right right close to the hole in the window and he goes there's an air leak like yeah wow <laughs> and then he tries to seal it with shaving foam and old bits yeah. of memo yeah. <laughs> and I think, what, what level of competence does Koenig have confidence in these people in their competence yeah. that he thinks they would try and block a hole in space with shaven foam and memos? It does explain a lot, though. It, that also explains why Victor is just yes. so out of character. Yeah. That's the way they view Victor. They don't see him as the pacifist that we see him. No, they're, you know, they're they see him as some right, trigger right happy. Yeah. 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 All right. OK, so. What do you think of it? What do you? What would you give it as a rating? Um, I th- now, this is interesting because we're looking at the episode as a whole. Now, normally we pick a sequence, and I think there's any any number of sequences in this where you could go, "That's a ten. That's just amazing model work." Mm. Um, taken as a whole, because there are some really ropey cardboard cows, I'd go with a solid eight. Right. Uh, overall. Um, there's, it's amazing, and it's some of the best model work you'll ever see on a TV show. I think. Okay. But it's not, it's not perfect in, in certain shots. It's there's a lot of stock yeah. footage used as well, which you get yeah. used to in Anderson shows. Um, but yeah, I'd say an eight. Yeah, I. As you say there, you know some of the, some of the model work is is astonishing yeah. for its time. Um, but it's let down by like you know the the cardboard cutout eagle trying to take off and things like that. Um, um, so I'm going to give it a seven and a half. Yeah. All right. So that gives it an average of seven point seven five. That's yeah. That's thrown your score in system, hasn't it? <laughs> it, it has somewhat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's is there a is there a more model heavy episode? I'm trying to think. I, well, you've got Dragon's Domain, possibly. Dragon's Domain, and you've got The Last Enemy, yes, which I, I'd like to have you back for, yep. for that episode, um, because you've got a, a, a war between two battle cruisers taking yep. place, you know, over 
um, Moonbase Alpha, Alpha. So you have to return for that one, and we'll have to see what the score goes like for that one. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but I, I, if you've not seen the show, I would, I would, I would probably start with Breakaway because mm. I think that's now. If we were talking about Breakaway, I think that would that would be close. That would that would be a ten, I reckon, mm. or very close to because it, it's it's all it's a brilliant hour of television. It's just amazing. Mm. Um, but I'd start with that. But this, I would definitely give this a go. You might be worth watching a few episodes first to sort of get to know the characters, because mm. they do. It, it will, if you're think, it, well, you you won't be listening to this because we told you not to listen to it. So I don't know why I'm talking to you. <laughs> Stop talking. Yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, it's a good episode to to go in with. Yeah. Okay. Can't say fairer yep. than that. All right. All right. Okay. Well, thanks for today, then. No Ian. problem. No problem at all. And uh, we'll have you back soon, all right? Excellent. Looking forward to it. Right. Cheers, Annie. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.